welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Hello, hello, and welcome. Oh, thank you so much for joining me for this episode today on the Let It Matter podcast. To kick off the month of June, which is also Pride Month, I am joined by Candice Zubernat, a practicing therapist, lesbian, and Christian, to talk all about LGBTQIA plus allyship. Before we dive in, If this podcast has been a blessing or a resource in your life, would you consider taking just a moment to pause this episode and do as many of these things as possible? Make sure you are subscribed or following the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening in Apple, particularly leaving a rating and a review really helps so, so much to make sure this uh, podcast gets in front of more people. Also, make sure you're following the show on Instagram at Let It Matter Podcast and on Twitter at Let It Matter Pod. All of these things are vital to the growth, the guests, and the goodness of this podcast, and your support really does mean the world to me. Now, let me introduce Candace more fully to you. Candace Zubernot, her pronouns are she, her, identifies as a lesbian and a Christian. She has been a therapist for 17 years and is the founder of the LGBTQ affirming counseling and coaching practice, The Christian Closet, as well as the teletherapy organization, Progressive Christian Counseling. In both ministries, she and her team meet with people from all over the world for online telehealth sessions as they navigate the many intersections of life with a Christian faith. She has also recently launched and is the executive director of Affirming Therapy, a nonprofit whose main goal is to raise funds for LGBTQ plus people who can't afford mental health services. Candace is a graduate of the Moody Bible Institute and the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. She lives in a small mountain town in Southern California with her wife, the love of her life, Crystal, and their eight-year-old boy-girl twins, Deacon and Dylan. Now, let's get into the show. All right, Candace. thank you so much, first of all, for being here on the Let It Matter podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Yeah, I'm excited. I loved, have loved talking with you, and so I was looking forward to this time. Me too. I, I loved, for those who have followed me to this podcast from Where Do We Go From Here, Candace joined Debbie and I in for a conversation in November of last year um, that we sort of titled... Um, my kid just came out to me. Now what? Um, and just your wisdom and your, uh, queer joy and your, um, empathy for people who are not in the same space that you're in. I just, when I wanted to, I was planning this sort of episode to kick off pride month. Um, I just knew 
it had to be you that I, that I had on. You're just – That is so um, kind. Yeah, I loved that conversation and we got such great feedback from it there. Um, and so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Like I said, I want to talk to you about LGBTQIA plus allyship um, and ways that those of us who are not within the LGBTQ plus community can be sort of the best allies we can be to our friends and neighbors and family members and stuff who are. Um, to start with, I'd love if you could just sort of help us with some ways we can grow or be consistent in allyship with our words, our language, pronouns, maybe names, et cetera. Um, the importance of that and and how that can just be like a really great first step for maybe somebody who's just, just coming into affirming theology or even isn't affirming, but wants to be a good neighbor, um, and good friend and loving person. Mm. Um, if you could maybe start us off with, with some of that. Yeah. I, I first want to just affirm that it's really normal and natural to feel a little bit nervous about it, that, um, doing something new, using new language, especially when you are thinking, oh my gosh, there's this other person on the other side of this. And what if I forget that there is a G in the LGBTQIA? (laughs) Or what if I get them mixed up? Or what if I say like partner instead of wife? Or like Mm. there can be so much um, trepidation and anxiety in that. Um, And so I just want to say, uh, wow. Thank you for, uh, holding that and still trying to move forward. And I understand Mm -hmm. that it's nerve wracking. Um, and a lot of us in the LGBTQ plus, uh, community, sometimes we are a little bit sensitive and that's because we've been through a lot. Um, and, and a lot of us hopefully are still doing our work. Um, but, that's why we are a little, sometimes uh, a little bit more sensitive to things like when someone calls Crystal my partner, I'm very sensitive to that. I want her to be my wife because Mm. um, we couldn't legally get married for eight years. And so it's very important to me that she's my wife. Um, But of course I don't, I don't get, um, uh, I don't get mad, but I am like, oh wait, let me tell you, she's my wife. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That Um, makes total sense. And so the, the best way to start is to simply um, be able to be authentic with where you're at and ask somebody. Um, no, none of us are, you know, going to expect like that you have, you know, all the things. It's okay mm-hmm. to ask um, like, hey, am, am I getting this right? It's, you know, this or mm-hmm. that. Um, or do you have a preference um, that amount of curiosity uh, works really well. Um, mm. Also, you know, there's this little thing called the internet. <laughs> and uh, and the internet has lots to say about all kinds of things. Yes. Um, both good and bad. And the good part is that uh, a lot of things we can look to other people um, on Google and TikTok and Instagram and all the things uh, mm-hmm. and, and learn from others who have gone before us. That's really wise. And I, I love what you, first of all, I, this is what, this is exactly why I wanted to have you on because I love that you started off with just like, 
I get it's scary, especially I think in for those of us who op- occupy a more sort of like maybe progressive Christian space online or something where the expectation is you do already know mm-hmm. um, or should always get it right. And the fear of getting um, getting it wrong and, and like, A, you don't want to hurt anybody. Mm-mm. B, you don't want to perpetuate any narratives or stereotypes or harmful language. And C, you also don't want to get jumped on. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I appreciate you saying that because it is, you know, it can be, um, a fearful thing. What, what would you say about, um, I, I know how I feel about this and what I've heard at least other, um, people in the queer community say about those of us who are cisgendered, still putting our pronouns in our bios and our profiles and our email signatures and stuff like that. Um, does that feel like appropriation or does it feel like you like, um, solidarity or, uh, just normalizing? Yeah. I, I won't pretend to answer for everyone. So even in this question, right, we get to feel, I get to feel the tension of, I have an opinion, um, Mm -hmm. that might not be everyone's. And so someone um, else might be listening to this podcast at some point who's uh, trans or non-binary or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they might be like, why did this lesbian say that? Like, that's not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's not... Let me state for the record. I am not asking. I don't think everyone in the queer community is a monolith and nor do I expect you to be an apologist for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it. I think it's so mm-hmm. normalizing Um, Mm. how wonderful to just say, Hey, we're not going to assume anything about anyone. Um, and we're not going to put this on someone who, um, who is in maybe the process of, uh, coming out or figuring out what their pronouns are or their gender. We're just going to be like, everybody, it's on everybody. It's on. That's sort of the way I'd heard it explained is that if it's only trans or non-binary people doing it, it's still like a demarcation of othering. It's still a way of Mm -hmm. saying like, this is how you can tell those from us. And rather than if everyone's doing it, um, even if it feels like a given or something, it's first of all, you're right. We don't make assumptions. And second of all, um, it's a, it's a way of like, adding a little bit of just like safety in numbers, you know what I mean? Where there's not assumptions made because it's more, it's people of all genders and, and sexualities and stuff doing it. And so um, that was how I had had it explained to me. Um, but again, like you said, it was one person that said that. So. Yeah. <laughs> and then you I, see it in all like the corporate language when corp, you know, mm-hmm. DE and I stuff. And so I never want to trust that. <laughs> I'm not saying they don't have good intentions, but um Sometimes I want to take my cues from, yeah, from people that, you know, spend a lot of time, not just your experience, but you spend a lot of time with other queer and trans and non-binary and stuff people. And so um, I'd rather, you know, here, have you be our leader in that than some corporate uh, capitalist structure. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we, as LGBTQ plus people, we, um, there's, there, there's never going to not be a coming out. And, um, and that's okay. It's kind of a bummer, but it's, it, it, it's okay. Um, and so if there's any way that, that the pressure or stress of that can be taken off, then Mm. that's just like a gift. Um, it's, it's really great for me not to have to say like, oh, 
you know, someone says, oh, your husband. And then I say, oh, I don't have a husband. I have a wife. You know, if there's a scenario yeah. where that doesn't have to happen, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> or And as a know, single yeah. person who doesn't really intend for marriage, mm. I feel the same way. Don't assume that I'm married because I'm 35. Don't assume that I want that because I'm single. Um, some of those assumptions, if you think of like for those of us who may not be in the LGBTQ community, but may have ways that we can sort of identify or empathize, empathize. Is that a word? Yeah. Why does that sound crazy in my head? Empathize with, um, because of our own, you know, circumstances and just applying it with a broader concept to say, yeah, assumptions bother me, yeah. uh, or they, they perpetuate, uh, normative, you know, amaton- normativity or whatever. Let's all just stop with the assumptions on gender, on, on sexuality, on, uh, preference language, you know, and, and like you said, engage our curiosity. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I love that you just did this brilliant thing of when we can connect something that we don't understand, when we can try to imagine that for ourselves, what would that, what would that be Mm -hmm. for me? Um, It totally helps with the empathy and the stretching of doing something like maybe writing your pronouns on a name tag when you're Mm -hmm. not used to that. Um, Yeah. So I love that. That's good. That. I, I was thinking about my my mom, who's an extremely conservative woman, a very Christian conservative, um, and how she has three kids, but my sister passed away, and we had a very, very difficult and dark situation with her. And so now, anytime my mom goes to like mixers at her church, mm. and you have to like introduce yourself to the table and tell about your family. And the assumption is if you have kids, it's a happy, healthy family. And like without the like, everyone who has a family knows there's no such thing as normal, knows that pain is part of it and Absolutely. stuff. And, and, you know, women who have struggled with infertility, you know, just to be able for, you know, I'm, I'm picturing her hearing this and saying mm. like, I get it because I don't want the assumption that like talking about my kids is always a happy thing. Sometimes it's really, really painful, uh, especially in an environment where you have been previously judged for it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, that I think is, I think that might help people regardless of where they fall on the spectrum of being affirming or quote tolerant or <laughs> whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shift into just sort of some different domains of our lives where allyship, you know, needs to show up. What do you suggest for faithful allyship and solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community politically, especially now with this like endless barrage of legislative attacks and the rhetoric being used on everything from drag queens to trans kids to library books? Um, what are some ways that allyship can show up politically for us or, or I guess even socially in that way? Mm. Oh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I know it's so hard. I mean, when you, when you're asking this question, you know, my mind immediately goes back to uh, the beginning of the Trump era and Mm -hmm. um, it's, it, it feels as if that's, for me, and at least in my life, uh, where it really started to get super rocky, yeah, yeah. and um, and absolutely, it was really painful um, to know that I had friends and family 
who love me, who celebrate me as a gay person, um, supporting and voting for people who, uh, you know, said that they were going to, um, take away my rights, take away. Yeah. They wish you harm. Yeah. (laughs) And wish me harm. That's right. Um, and, and so there again, I, I understand that when it's not inside of you, when it's not your, your body that they're talking Mm -hmm. about, it doesn't necessarily easily connect. I I know that I don't think my parents who, who celebrate me as a gay person, they aren't naturally connecting. Oh, if Mm -hmm. I vote for this person, um, my daughter could be harmed, right? right? They're not thinking about that because they don't have to think about it. Right. So the first, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, really quick. I just, in terms of, again, translating experiences, I think a lot of women felt that. Yeah. Um, felt I, I've been sexually, um, uh, I've been raped. And so I, I mean, it took me months of real harbored resentment to finally tell my dad when you voted for him, it felt like you were saying what Mm. he said was okay. It felt like you were saying our bodies, we don't, we don't have the control and the autonomy over our bodies that our bodies should be there for men's enjoyment or objectification or pleasure or, um, violence. Uh, and, and so, and I, I mean, in his case, in Trump's case, immigrants, women, disabled people, queer people. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there's a people of other faiths. <laughs> yeah. There was a long list of other, where if, if you're not in the queer community or the LGBTQ community, again, you can translate that to, this is also how I felt because of some of the rhetoric or because of uh, even since then, some of the things, Jewish people, black people, I mean, goodness. <laughs> Just, um, I think, we can again sort of tell me if I'm wrong about this, but if it feels like we can sort of engage again, that empathy and saying that part isn't my experience. But again, if all of us aren't free, none of us are free because, and that was a really good picture of why. Yeah. Because the tax just sort of kept, kept stacking up on different populations that weren't white, straight, cisgendered Christian men. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so the, <laughs> to not just stop there with like, Oh, well, I didn't really know. Um, yeah. I didn't think about it. It's like, totally. I, I don't think you did. Um, and, um, and there's a woman, you know, surely there's a, there's a woman in your life who you love. Um, mm-hmm. and surely you would never want someone to treat, to treat her this way or, you know, mm-hmm. to, um, to make it personal for yourself yeah. in that way. Um, but you know, I would, I would love like, yeah, go to, go to, uh, protests and, and put it on your Facebook. Like I want to, I want to get on Facebook and see everyone that I love Mm. being like, this is not okay. Um, and I know that there's this whole like, Oh, you, you don't want to just say it. Um, you need to have action. Performative allyship. Yeah. And yeah. sure, yes, of course. But you know what? I, maybe I'm old, old or something. It still <laughs> matters to me to just even hear you say it and to see it. Yeah. Because um, yeah. otherwise, I feel scared and I feel alone. Um, and um, and so when you're willing to take a stand and say something publicly, um, that's meaningful. Yeah. I I think about that for churches also. Like right now, if your church 
is affirming and there's not something huge on your website or some huge sign outside or something indicating, especially in this era where I'm in Texas, where Hmm. LGBTQ families or trans kids or, you know, people uh, where so many people are under attack. If you're not making it clear, you are safe here. You are wanted here. You are, this is a sanctuary. Um, and then following that up with action and and not just like, and then come in the doors and we'll take you to coffee and tell you how you're wrong. <laughs> um, but actual, true, actual, true love and, and safety. Um, I, it just feels like, how can you afford not to in this environment? How, because the, the, the alternative is that is people not knowing where the safe places are. It's true. Right. And, and if, when it feels like nowhere is safe, like that just feels too hopeless. I feel that feels like a place where the church could step in and be a light, be a safe haven, be a, a, a refuge that's countercultural mm-hmm. in many of our States, at least. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. As much as you can put yourself out there for the other, mm-hmm. I think that's really the gospel. And even those of us, you know, mm. where, wherever you're at, if I'm a, I'm a gay person, it doesn't mean there, there are other people that I need to step in the gap for. Right. Mm. Um, that to me, that's, that's why I believe in Jesus because that was the message, um, of like, yeah, I am radically loved, um, and accepted and hopefully people are going to fight for me and, I want to do the same for others. Um, Mm, I love that. Um, Speaking of churches, whether we know anyone in our churches who is out or not, um, thinking particularly of like church leaders, ministry leaders, clergy, vestry, boards, et cetera, how can we create safe environments for people like to be their full, authentic, God-designed selves and not live in fear of like judgment, ostracization, um, excommunication, gossip, et cetera, whether from the pulpit, in the culture of the church, it, on the website, in the ministry, like what are some ways that churches can um, can be better allies uh, to the LGBTQ plus community, whether they think there's anyone in their church who fits that description or not? <laughs> mm, yeah. I think the first step is to educate yourself. Um, if if you don't know um, about these topics, about uh, us as a community, um, mm. listen to some podcasts, get a book, um, go to a pride parade and just kind of like take it in. Um, mm. Maybe, uh, you know, there are lots and lots of ways of just trying to like start to open your mind to what what is this uh, what is this? Who are these people? Um, so that when someone does come into your church, it's not like, oh my God, you know, like code red and alien has landed. Um, so that's the very first thing is if you can get comfortable and educated before, then, you know, that's kind of, wow, what a great start. Um, I'll say for me, I love that you said that. For me, one of the first sort of doors to reevaluating this, my beliefs and my position on it, because I was for very long not affirming, mm-hmm. um, but to reevaluating it was I was watching Queer Eye and mm. there were a few episodes, like one in season one, the first episode of season two, 
um, where um, th- the guys were sharing how they had been harmed by the church mm. and how they had, like, you know, Bobby said at one point, I would be at that altar every Sunday mm. bawling and begging God not to make me gay. And, um, and, uh, and I had, and I was, you know, kicked out and everyone judged me. And so one of the other guys saying like, I've never felt God- judged by God or by Jesus. It's by the church. And so just hearing, like n- hearing the stories of people that I was like, just in my own brain, like the church shouldn't be, <laughs> this shouldn't be part of the church's story, harming people, my goodness. And I know that it is in historical ways and even in current ways, but um, it started to open my mind and make me aware of um, that the things that I was believing, now I have to reckon with the fact that it's harming people, not just mm. that I believe it um, and that I think I'm right. But now my quote rightness, I'm aware that it's hurting people like big time. And then I started seeing, you know, listening to podcasts or seeing um, statistics from the Trevor Project and stuff. like. And I was like, oh, 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 my God. Mm. Um, that was just those first little windows of exposure and proximity, Mm. um, that made me start to like, and then, you know, I've told you this, that it was also in my own family, Mm -hmm. um, that our family was harming my, my sister who was, um, who was gay and who ended up dying of an overdose. And so much of the guilt I carry is, you know, why did, I wish I had had that exposure earlier. I wish I, my mind had been opened earlier that she would have known a safe place um, or a safe person in our family at least. But, um, but we made the assumption there's nobody in our family mm. that's queer. And then my, you know, we would talk about the theology that we believed with some really harsh words. Yes. And so then I imagine those words staying in her mind as she's like, well, I can't ever come out that's not safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, as you know, I love everything that you're saying. And, um, for those of you listening that you'll maybe if you read my bio or, or hear it. So I, I work with every day, I'm a therapist and I work with, with LGBTQ plus people mm-hmm. as they navigate this. And I wish that I had been keeping a running tab so I could stay what the statistics are of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what you just said is is like almost 100% when i am working with someone and we're trying to figure out like what is what is bringing about so much pain and trauma in their life what is happening that makes them not want to live mm. it is it almost never comes down to god yeah. when we can pull away all of the stuff on the surface we come to a place where they end up saying and realizing i have I have felt so affirmed by God. I feel so much peace and joy. Mm. I feel and experience the fruits of the spirit. I feel the spirit of God inside of me. It is not God. I I've named it as God, but it's not God. Mm. It's actually, you know, religion or church or my parents, or it is these outside institutions and people and yeah. the fear of disappointing them, the fear of rejection, the, the fear of even someone's just face changing, how yeah. uh, that, when you look at someone, um, yeah. all of that, it's so heavy that it can, it can actually make someone not want to live anymore. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Like when we, when we look at the life of Jesus, um, 
you know, I don't see him walking around like, Hey, I love you, but you should like, I'm going to say something that's actually going to harm you and I'm going to call it love. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that. No. Um, so, I, and I love that the queer, that queer eye, uh, started that for you. That's yeah. so beautiful. It, it just opened the door. I mean, and then there was a lot of other exposure. Blue Baby's Pink podcast, I think, was wonderful. Mm. Um, and then, you know, several others as I began to sort of question, what's my role in this? Not just like, oh, I hate that they're being harmed. Mm. What is my role in this? And then and then once I decided what my role was and, and how I wanted to move out of that space and into an affirming space, now how can I work to make it make sure that at least my corner of the world is safe yeah. um, and is safe early and often. One of the, I think, was it something that you said maybe when you were on where do we go from here? Be safe early. No. Like we were talking about kids, you know, your kid coming out to you, but creating an environment in their home where they feel safe to come out, creating yeah. an environment in your church where you're not assuming no one that doesn't apply to anyone. You're aware that even if they're not out, they're there. Yes. Maybe I did say that. I'm like, that yeah, I think we were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, but it I may not that. have been in that like in yeah, that I like phrase, but I think it. be safe early. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh that's one that I feel I feel like is gonna be a harder sell in like more mm-hmm. conservative or moderate evangelicalism at least, um, where bec- where they're identifying safety with condoning. One hundred percent, you know, and that's, and I, could you just speak to that a little bit that like for the, for people, and I don't want to ask you, by the way, I think we said this last time we talked, like to, um, provide protection and safety for people whose beliefs are harmful to you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you to like make excuses for them or, or like provide a sort of shelter for them to hide behind. But, um, if somebody is listening to this and they're just peeking their head through the door, mm. like they're just interested, what does this conversation sound like? Terrified to have it in public, can't talk to their friends or family. Um, but maybe this is that episode of Queer Eye for somebody. Yeah. For oh my gosh. Um, that would be so amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. how, how would you, how would you, can you talk more about that? Like safety and condoning and, and like, unconditional love versus like, you know, what we so often see, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I do want to say one more thing about the church, but I love this next question is that representation matters. And so, um, Mm. please put queer people, um, if they're willing and, and able, please put them in places of leadership, please put them up front. Um, the representation of that matters so, so, so much. That's good. Um, as a parent, so I, my wife and I have nine-year-old twins. Um, I Boy, do I get this question. I, I personally get it. And mm-hmm. even though um, I actually, I love being gay. I'm so happy that I'm gay. I feel like it uh, beautifully and specially connects me to God. And it, mm-hmm. um, it brings about... Uh, a different ability to try and see others that I would not have had would have been harder. So I'm really 
really, I, I love it. And it's, it's part of uh, my calling in my life. So how great, right? You, you yeah. would think that if one of my kids turned out to be uh, queer in any way, that I would be like the number one person to just be like, yay, this is <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I will have a grief process if one of my kids turns out to be queer in any way. Mm. I will, I will not tell them about it, but mm -hmm. I will tell my therapist about it and I will tell my mm. wife about it and my best friend about it because the very first thing I would feel is fear. Mm. I would feel scared that my kids are going to be harmed or they're going to have a harder time in life. All of a yeah. sudden, even though I'm living out this beautiful, wonderful life, yeah. my, my, my parent fear mind starts to think about negative stereotypes and then I worry. Mm -hmm. And I quickly am like, no, I don't want my kid to be gay. I don't want my kid to be trans. Um, and that's something to that's like a really important process as, as parents. It's so mm -hmm. valid and it's important to go get support and talk through mm -hmm. that because eventually you'll be able to come to a place of, of peace, of acceptance. And you're going to be able to see that your child's queerness is this amazing, beautiful gift for you too. Mm. Um, that, that you're I... going to be able to see God different and yourself different and the world different in like really beautiful, deep ways. That's so lovely. I love that you said I wouldn't tell them about it, at least right at first or, you know, whatever. I wouldn't put it on them um, because I think I think a lot of the coming out stories that I've heard, at least, the parent thought they were being protective, even if they like they're like, I love totally. you. And yes, I support you. But their protectiveness was, oh, but I'm scared for you. And then you put all this fear on top of someone who already knows what the cost, you know, already expects knows. there to be a cost. We already know. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I love that you said that. And that you said you like, but it's not that you just wouldn't address it or talk about it. You would find the spaces that are safe and that are appropriate for That's you to right. express those Your feelings. kids do not need to know because you're exactly right. They have already, for probably longer than you know, they have mm -hmm. already struggled with it. They have already looked at the Bible and they have already struggled with that. And they have already known what you said that time at the kitchen yeah. table, like you said, right? Like um, they've, they feel it and they feel the pressure inside. And so when you also reflect that to them, it's, it, um, it makes their life actually harder. It makes it harder for them yeah. to be successful. It makes them harder mm -hmm. to have a healthy mental health. Um, they're the way that if you're like, I want my kid to be happy and healthy and be able to have a full, wonderful life. The way that you yeah. do that is quite literally just through loving and celebrating them. Um, mm -hmm. and all the other hard things you feel, you get to go and find your own place to work through that. Um, mm. Your kids do not need to know at all. Um, yeah. That reminds me of a, a story that Michelle Obama told in, in her most recent book, um, The Light We Carry. Mm. She was talking about how, like, you know, when she would experience racism or, or bullying or whatever when she was younger, um, that her mom, you know, that she said her mom never put that, like, fear of, like, you know, 
uh, of you're going to be experienced this all your life or, you know, whatever. She didn't put that on her. Her mom's response to her, God bless Marian Robinson was mm-hmm. come home. We'll always like you here. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jeez Louise. I bawled the first time I heard her say that. Um, come home, we'll always like you here. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't mean those fears weren't legitimate. It doesn't mean the realities weren't going to be legitimate for someone, you know, that did experience, she did experience those things. Um, and it doesn't make them go away or even give you like uh, strategies. It just gives you safety That's in a right. place where you should feel the most safety. Um, and I, oh, I love that so much. That felt like, again, one of those sort of transcendent things that doesn't just apply to a, a black family on the south side of Chicago, mm. but you know, people in all different immigrant communities, women, uh, people, other people of color, disabled people, come home. We'll always like you here. Oh my oh. god, that is just—I could weep. But it's so true. Okay, so imagine my dad says to me, imagine he says, hey, you know, when you and Crystal go out on a date, which is great that you go on a date, we lo- you know, you should be going on dates because you're married, but you know, you might not want to hold hands because um, someone might see you guys holding hands and, you know, uh, they might get mad and we don't you know, the other day I was reading the newspaper and there was these Mm -hmm. two women that got beat up and we don't want that to happen to you. Right. Yeah. He's not said that to me, but let's imagine that he's just trying Mm -hmm. to be a good dad. Right. Mm -hmm. So now Crystal and I are on a date and we are holding hands and, and, Mm -hmm. and someone comes and they are violent, maybe just with their words or something. Mm -hmm. What I'm going to feel in that moment is not support from my dad. I'm mm, going to internalize yeah. that as even more shame. And, yeah. and that's going to be so depressing and heavy. But if if you're right, if if the instead what was communicated is come home, we're we will always love you. We will always celebrate you. We will always have a place of safety. Yeah. Crystal and I are on a date. Someone comes and says something to us. You know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I absolutely, I'm going to go, I'm going to go and find love and support from my family, from my dad. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lift that burden of shame. Oh, that's so good. I, the other, I mean, I was also even imagining while you were thinking that him giving you that warning and it makes you more aware or self-conscious or fearful. So you don't hold hands in public and you don't express your love and your joy for each other as much. And maybe that creates a, a conflict. Why don't you do this with, you know, why, why can't we act like a normal couple? Or why, why do you feel distant when we're in public? Mm. And then you're not getting to experience the fullness of joy that would be available to you. The fullness of normalization and just being your full authentic selves with one another out in the world. Um, because of that fear message that gets into your mind that, that it, the thing didn't even happen. Yeah. It was just, it was just a, a warning, a quote warning out of love, but, mm-hmm. but then it, it caused you to alter behavior, uh, or your actions, um, that then robs you of joy. Mm. It robs you of more of a fullness of your experience. And I, and so both of those ways, like, uh, I, I love that idea. And I think it applies not just to parents, but pastors, youth mm. ministers, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, spouses, whatever it is that, when someone 
uh, in your life is queer or, or trans or non-binary, you know, whatever. Um, like that, like you said, have, uh, have a place for you to work that stuff out, to learn, to grow, to have more exposure to new ideas, to wrestle with theology without using words from the pulpit, like abomination, you know, things like that (laughs) without where where you're creating a culture of safety for the people who need it. And then for you, who's someone not inside the, that community, you can worry, you can wrestle Mm -hmm. in private or with, you know, with a smaller group of people where you're not harming other people. Um, that's that feels like really good allyship to me. That that feels mm-hmm. like good wisdom. Yeah, that you shared with us there. And you know, you're not going to you're you're not going to make your kid gay or trans um, by supporting yeah. them. If they if they end Ugh. up being so, um, guess what? You had nothing to do with it. The same That's way right. your parents had nothing to do with you being straight and cis or whatever it is. Yes. We don't get to choose those things. Yes. Um, so there doesn't have to be this fear of like, oh my God, if I if I use the pronoun, their correct pronouns, then maybe they were going to still be cisgendered. But now because I used their correct pronouns that they've asked me to mm-hmm. use, I'm somehow like, no. It does not work that way. Yeah. All that that does, if you if you use their pronouns that they've asked you to use, or if, if mm-hmm. you are you know are able to say that, oh yeah, this is my daughter who is a lesbian. Those things, all that that does is help your child feel loved, and it brings yeah. about uh, positive mental health, positive spiritual health, and uh, like all these just like good things, self care, all yes. kinds of things. That's all it does. It does not change who they are. That's right. And I like to expand the analogy and the analogy is going to break down in a second because this is a choice, but for your, maybe your teenager to give them education about birth control, to give them condoms or, or the pill or something and, and say, I don't want you having sex, but you're going to do what you're going to do. And if you, I want you to know how to use these things. I want you to be aware of your safety, your health, your, um, your emotional health, mental health, like that parents, I know a lot of, especially in the environments I grew up in would see that as condoning it or giving permission mm-hmm. when in reality, like you're just providing education, you're providing resources, you're providing a safety where, so then if that does happen or something violent happens that that your child feels safe to come home then and ask more questions or talk Mm -hmm. to you about it. Come home. We'll always like you here. This Mm -hmm. environment at least will be a safe one for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, try to think about it when, when you were young parents uh, (laughs) and with your own parents, I'm pretty sure that nobody was like taking notes on what their parents were saying and like, okay, yep. Yeah. Okay. I will definitely (laughs) not go have sex now. Thank you for uh, letting me know. No, no, that's not how it works. No, no. Oh man, that's so funny. And the reason I said the analogy is going to break down is because because at at that point, then your kid makes a choice in most cases, at least to have sex. Whereas like you said, gender identity and sexual identity is not a choice. It's not something that um, necessarily that like this is that you can influence one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the the way God designed and created 
your child, your person, whatever uh, relationship you have to them. I always say like, if it was a choice, I would not still choose to be attracted to men. They're the worst. <laughs> like, there's no greater evidence point. for the fact really that it's not a point. choice. <laughs> um, I I really appreciate all of your your wisdom and your your um, your empathy and insight. The last question I want to ask I'm asking this sort of all of my guests now as I close out. You can answer it as silly or serious or brief or long, however you want to, what is mattering most to you right now? Mm. Oh gosh. You know, like I said, um, Crystal and I have nine-year-old twins. And so we are in the thick of parenting. (laughs) It is, um, Crystal always likes to remind me, we only have nine more years and then they're in college. And of course, parenting never ends, but like, you know, like, let's get to it. We only have nine more years. Nine more years. Uh, You're at the halfway mark. Yeah, we are. And it it is uh, wonderful and beautiful and so hard and stretching. And um, most days I'm so tired. I would think that I'm going to eventually get more sleep and it doesn't happen and all of that. So you're that um, mamas of littles. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go away even when they're nine. <laughs> it's a little bit better. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, trying to grow myself. Um, just, just like any parent, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm in therapy trying to better myself and I'm, you know, in my, grow in my spirituality and my own understanding of myself and my story and God mm-hmm. so that I can love and guide my children the best, um, that I can. Uh, so that's, that's huge in my life. Um, and I also just started a a nonprofit. So that's really huge. Um, it's, I was going to ask you if you would, yeah, yeah, if you would tell people about the Christian closet and then about your nonprofit, your practices that you do just because I really want to make this a resource. Normally I would just like mention it in the bio and links in the show notes, but if you can just take a second and sort of tell people what your, what the resources you've, you've created, um, for them to have access to would be great. Yeah. Like I said, so when, when you're LGBTQ plus and you come from any kind of faith background, there is, there can be this great tension inside that brings about mm-hmm. so much pain and trauma. How can I be queer and Christian? And, mm-hmm. and if the answer to that is like, you can't, then that is hopeless. And it just makes you want to end things. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I started the Christian closet, um, because I have found and I believe that there are actually really beautiful ways to reconcile these identities together. And so that is the work that my team and I do. Um, we mm. meet with people on Zoom. So we, we literally meet with people all over the world um, as they explore their relationship with uh, God and their uh, LGBTQ plus identities. Mm people that are dating for the first time in their thirties, all kinds of stuff. It's really, really beautiful, fun work. And your team Um, is all within the LGBTQIA plus community as well, right? Correct. Yep. So everybody identifies somewhere on that spectrum. So they've been through it themselves. And, um, and so what happens is people are like, Oh my God, I found a needle in a haystack when they find us. But a lot of times people can't afford it. Um, even our just lowest sliding scale, um, it just isn't a, they just can't do it. And so I started a nonprofit called Affirming Therapy 
and we are raising money um, for those people who can't afford it. Um, and so we'll see. I'm hoping to raise tons of money because I don't want to say no to anybody. Um, yeah, I will link to that on the Instagram post and the stories. I'll I'll make sure um, well, you can you. get me links and and websites and stuff. I will make sure that we get the word out at least from my end. Um, I'd love to donate. I that that's incredible. It really is. Oh goodness, oh goodness! Isn't she fantastic? I am so thankful for people like Candace uh, doing the work that she does. It is so profound and so important. Um, and I think she's just such a, um, gosh, she's just so skilled, um, in her work and so empathetic. And so I just knew that this conversation had to be with her and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. My thanks again to Candace Zubernot for joining me today. You can find her on Instagram at lesbian therapist or on her website at candicezubernot.com. That's C-A-N-D-I-C-E-C-Z-U-B-E-R-N-A-T.com. Her therapy and coaching practice can be found at LGBTQ underscore affirming underscore therapy on Instagram or on the website at thechristiancloset.com. I will link to all of these in the show notes as well. I will put a quick note in her, uh, the the uh, Christian Closet's Instagram account, LGBTQ underscore affirming underscore therapy, is so full of um, videos and posts about just various aspects of being um, in the LGBTQ plus community and a Christian, and there's just, it's just chock full of resources, so I can't more highly recommend that account to you. Join me next week as we continue to make space for, honor, and name what matters. And now, according to our little tradition as we close out, I offer you this benediction. It comes from a book called A Rhythm of Prayer, which is edited by Sarah Bessie and has multiple contributors. This particular one is written by Sarah and is called A Benediction. Um, a quick note, this one is a little bit longer than the ones you usually hear on this podcast, but it was too good to adapt or edit down. So I hope you'll pause this until you have just a second to fully receive these words. Take a deep breath in. Exhale all the way out. And let's pray. God of prayers for parking spots and prisons, of hospitals and holidays, of anger and angels, of traveling mercies and tired ones, of decolonization and deconstruction, of wilderness and wonder, of feasts and ferocity, of goodness and grief, we come to you today with our whole selves. God of honest prayers and more honest silences, Open our eyes to see and our, our ears to hear and our hearts to understand how you are already here with us. Mother God, gather us as a hen gathers her chicks and let us catch our breath for one hot second and remember how you hold the world in your kind, capable, wise hands, including us. Spirit, when we cannot part the weeds of our own traditions and old languages, 
when the old pathways of prayer feel choked with briars and thorns, would you make a path in the wilderness for us to find you in new ways, new words, new practices, new permissions? Would you meet us in the wilderness and set out a feast? We are hungry and thirsty. We are grateful for mostly every moment that brought us here to you. Help us to sink down into your love, to push our roots down into that marvelous love and be planted within your power and grace as we practice loving this world as you have loved this world. May we laugh harder because we have learned to let ourselves weep with you. May we see and know and name beauty because we have learned to bring the ugliness to you. Surprise us and startle us. We're open to all the weird ways you want to speak in us and to us and through us. May we be peacemakers, joy bringers, truth tellers, status quo disruptors, wanderers, wonderers, and misfits to our time because of resolute contentment who never settle for the sit down and shut up life, but rise up in your she who the sun sets free is free indeed, birthright of freedom. May we be the ones who come close to you because of our vulnerability and not because of our false certainties. Teach us to lay down our masks and pretenses. You tore down the veil between us and the holy of holies. Keep our hands from rehanging that curtain. Give us opportunities to practice mercy and courage. This may backfire, but we're feeling bold right now. Call us to humility, confession, and repentance, even when pride feels more comfortable and superior. Teach us how to rest, how to abide, and how to light candles and be satisfied. Don't let us get away with divorcing our prayers from our politics and policies and practices. May we love our neighbors. May we learn to sit with you in silence and know it is enough to know you and be known by you and know ourselves. Teach us to pray, God, as you have always welcomed us to pray, fully human, fully yours, fully held, and fully loved. We will tell you the truth of our lives and of this world. We will listen to the truth you speak back to us the truth of our belovedness, of your justice, of your faithfulness, of love, and say, let it be so, let it be in me. Amen.